Ah, good morning, church. Welcome to second service here at MRCC on a glorious Sunday. I hope you're going to enjoy the sunshine out there. Welcome to everybody who's joining us online in second service as well. I have good news for you today. You ready for this? You braced? You ready for this? It's only two more weeks till there'll be Seahawks preseason games. Somebody say amen. How did that sneak up on us, right? Two more weeks, we'll have football again. There's nothing more blessed to sleep to on the couch on Sunday afternoon than, uh, than football, but it's right around the corner. Now, the sad thing is soccer's getting towards the end, but uh, I know none of you care about that, so it's all right. It's all right. Good to see you this morning. Welcome. You know, I was reflecting with somebody before service how time flies, and that person and I were talking about the fact that we've been coming to church together here at MRCC for almost 17 years now. And what a cool, beautiful thing that was. And his, uh, you know, therapy for that experience is ongoing, and he's recovering from that. But it was cool to share that kind of stuff. And cool to be with you this morning. Welcome. Um, can we just take a second? You know, the worship team gets here at 6 in the morning. They park in the worst spots, and then they're here all day until 1 o'clock. Can we just appreciate them a little bit? Thank them for that. overwhelming and also a cool thing to celebrate this morning there's 51 teenagers at youth camp this weekend 13 adults that went to spend the last five days serving them and I was just talking this morning with Pastor Tyler God's doing amazing things at youth retreating and youth camp huge thanks to everybody who gives so generously and faithfully a number of those kids were only able to make it to camp because we as a church were able to scholarship them to camp. And so huge thanks to you for that. And it's bearing fruit. Cool story. As you know, hundreds of kids, teenagers from all across the state meeting together for a medical aid this week for, for youth camp. Good stuff. They'll be getting back uh, on Monday afternoon. Really neat stuff. And then also, before we share a few announcements, thanks for putting up with kind of the mess in the parking lot this morning. Uh, this will be the only Sunday that we lose our main entrance that concrete has to curate over the weekend uh, so thanks for being patient with that and be patient with each other as we get out of here today uh, we've kind of gotten used to having two exits there'll only be one exit going out of here and, and maybe we should just appreciate the traffic guys too just a little bit yeah. okay. Thanks to, thanks to them for doing all that. A, a few quick announcements, uh, friends. First of all, uh, this Wednesday is significant if you have a fifth grader. This is what we call our, our fifth grade move up uh, each summer. And so if you have a fifth grader going into sixth grade, then you're invited, you and your, your teenager, this Wednesday night uh, to experience youth group for the first time. And it's kind of a special night. There'll be dinner, pizza, stuff at 5 o'clock, and then youth group starts at 6.30, and you're invited, moms and dads, as well as your, your new sixth grader, are invited to come be a part of that, have pizza, meet some of the youth workers, and then be part of youth group for the first time. It's kind of a cool transition. That's going to happen this Wednesday at 5 o'clock. So no cost. Uh, everybody's invited. A great opportunity. Also, next Sunday afternoon will be our, our monthly Connections Lunch. If you're new to MRCC and you want to meet some people, make some friends, we have one of these lunches every month at somebody's house, and it's just kind of a picnic get-together, and uh, Pastor Brent and Pastor Tyler, some of our staff will be there. You get to meet them and meet each other, make some friends, maybe find out somebody lives next door to you and comes to first or third service, uh, but make some connections. That'll be happening next Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock. When you come in, your bulletin will have directions. It's in Buckley, uh, and, and you're invited. 
be a terrific time. So that's right around the corner. And then, you know, if, if you're a guest with us today and you'd like to connect, you've never done that, you'd like to find out what's happening here at the church, you can just fill out that connection card in the seat in front of you, leave it in one of the, the bowls up front here, or you can scan the code on the seat in front of you and say, hey, yeah, keep me updated with what's going on, and we'll do that. Promise if you do that, we won't show up at your house unannounced, do anything crazy like that. Although we might install surveillance gear, but we won't tell you about that, so you don't have to worry about it. But uh, you're welcome to do that. One last thing um, is that in three weeks, uh, April, uh, August 13th, will be this summer's MRCC picnic, church picnic. It'll happen here on the campus. Uh, and if you've been around MRCC, you know we usually have several of these over the course of the summer. Of course, this year with the construction, that's been more of a challenge. But we are going to have our big water picnic on August 13th. It'll happen right after third service. We can just walk right out the door and uh, hot dogs, hamburgers, all that good stuff. Uh, everything will be set up for the kids. It's always a great time. You're invited. Your friends are invited. No cost, but August 13th. What, what, what I would like to ask, though, is if you could help that morning with maybe setting up tables and chairs, putting out garbage cans, you know, helping set out soda and ice and all that kind of stuff. If you could help out that Sunday morning, that would be terrific. Would you let us know? Maybe uh, stop by the guest center on your way out, or again, you can scan that code and send us a text or, you know, give the church office a call. But we could sure use your help uh, on that morning with uh, setup and, and tear down, moving the chairs and tables and stuff like that. So if you're available for that, that would be terrific. Um, friends, grab your Bible this morning and open it to Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. And um, we're going to continue together our journey through Luke's Gospel. We've been taking a whole year to do this, and we're, we're just kind of moving past the halfway point right now. We're in Luke chapter 11, beginning with verse 14, and we're getting to know Jesus. Remember what we said. We said we live in the age of the deep fake. There has never been more misinformation about everything than there is in our lifetime. And that that applies to knowing who God is as well. There's a lot of talk. Not all of it is true. Jesus said that would be the case. He says there's going to be a lot of false prophets. But he says it's easy to tell the difference. Just pay attention to the real me and you'll be able to discern the difference. So we've been doing that been road tripping with Jesus throughout this year. So we're in Luke chapter 11, verses 14 through 28 this morning, and let me begin by asking, have you ever said to yourself, I'm sure you have, have you ever said to yourself, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> you ever had that feeling before? Somebody told me they went to the Highland Games for the first time on Saturday. They walked through the fairground gates and said, what have I gotten myself into, you know? A lot of guys in dresses. It's a strange thing going on here. But we've all had that feeling before. I had that feeling right after I got married. <laughs> and the story kind of goes like this. You know, my, my wife's home that she grew up in and my home were very different. Uh, her home was very traditional, stable. They lived on the same corner from the day she was born until she graduated high school. She had the same friends, the same parents very traditional, stable home. And the rhythms of that home were the same way. Dinner every night at the same time. Everybody knew their roles, their jobs. Mine was radically different. Okay? I grew up one of five kids from four marriages, three fathers and two mothers. So it's just kind of chaos, right? And uh, the house was too small for all of us. So actually, my brother and I lived from ninth grade until we graduated from high school in the garage, right? We lived out there. And then when I left and joined the service, I'm in a barracks now, a big concrete building with a bunch of other guys. So I wasn't really ready to live in a civilized home. 
when I married my wife. And uh, so we moved down to California and, and moved into this little apartment. And Rhonda began to make the apartment not just a place to live, but a place to thrive. And this was all brand new to me. And it kind of came home not more than a week or so after we moved in because I knew that she wanted dinner at a certain time and I was supposed to be there at that exact time and I was doing some work on the car and I was running late and so I get to the house about 20 minutes late and I'm kind of dirty and she says, go in there and wash your hands before you come to the table. And I thought, well, that's new. I haven't had to do that for a while. And so I hurry into the bathroom and and this thing happened. I, I wash my hands. I'm in a little bit of hurry. I get done and I turn and there's this beautiful thing. There's these gorgeous towels right next to the sink, right? I said, wow, this is a new life I'm entering into. And so I started to dry my hands. And Rhonda just happened to come around the corner at that moment. And she says, what are you doing? And I thought, should be obvious. I'm drying my hands on the towels right next to the sink, you know. I'm looking at her going, what? And she's going, no, you don't use those towels. Well, why did you hang them right next to the sink? Why are they there? She says, there's towels under the sink. Why are the towels we're supposed to use under the sink and the towels we're not using on the rack? And I remember thinking to myself, I've gotten myself into more than I thought here. There were a lot of other things I had to learn too, but We've all felt that before. I remember feeling it even more strong when I, when I went into boot camp. You know, I had my idea about what being in the service would be like, what being in the Marine Corps would be like. And, of course, once I got in there, they start changing all my ideas. You know, they just didn't want me to be macho like Sylvester Stallone and Rambo. They wanted to change the way I walked, talked, stood, groomed, behaved. They wanted to change everything about me. And very quickly I realized that I was in for way more than I thought. But I also began to realize one of the most priceless lessons of my life is that they taught me that I could do a lot more than I thought I could if I had to. And that's a lesson I've carried with me my whole life. I'm so thankful for. You know, and the same thing happened in my marriage. <laughs> because, you know, as I learned to live in Rhonda's house, <laughs> I discovered that things were way better her way than my way, you know. It was better to live in a home than it was to live in the garage. And, and the reason I share that with us this morning is because in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is going to come to you and me, and he's going to say, hey, you've, you're in for more than you think you are. I, I have a plan for your life, which is way more than just occasionally helping you out when you get in a crisis. He says, I'm going to come in and father you. I'm going to come in and rebuild you, Greg, from the ground up. I want to transform you. I want you to be born again, not just in a moment, but for a lifetime. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we sort of hang around the Lord, sort of like we hang around the home improvement store. It's there if we need something. But most of the rest of the time, we're kind of checked out. And Jesus is going to challenge that idea this morning. He's going to teach us that the Father comes to father us, to transform us, to change us, to teach us, to renew us, to remake us, and that with him, it's kind of an all-or-nothing thing. It's way more than we think we want, but at the end, it's what we're grateful for. Here's how the Lord is going to put it this morning, and 
just going to jump to the middle of where we're going to be in Luke, then we'll come back and get there. But the Lord puts it this way. He says, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. What's Jesus saying there? Well, the first thing he's saying is, hey, there's no middle ground with me. You kind of can't ride the fence with me, right? You're either in or you're out. You're either with me or you're not. You're either under me, under my authority and lordship and teaching, or you're not. You know, it's like it's like Will Rogers said, you can't ride the fence. The only thing you get when you ride the fence, he said, is splinters. <laughs> and and Jesus is saying something like that to us. He's saying, there's, there isn't any middle ground with me. I want all of you, and I want to give you all of me. You know, to quote Kyle Eidelman about uh, 20 years ago, put this beautifully in a book he wrote. He said, you know, Jesus has many fans, lots of people who want to cheer for him, but far fewer followers. Many fans, but few followers. And his invitation to us, though, is to become not just a fan, but a follower. We're going to hear him talk about that this morning. And he's also, it also means this, you either gather with me or not, means that he wants us to understand that his heart for our world is different than ours tends to be. You know, in John chapter 3, verse 17, Jesus said something that has really reverberated in me for the last 10 years as our country, our culture, our world goes through the struggles it's going through right now. Here, here's what Jesus said. He says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In other words, God's heart for our broken chaotic, violent, ugly world is to save it, is to redeem it. He did not send his son to condemn the world, but to save it. Sometimes we feel like our role is to condemn it, but Jesus says it isn't. And he says it so pointedly that he adds, when he talks to me, he says, Greg, if you don't gather with me, it's not like you live in a middle ground. He says, no, you're actually scattering if you don't gather with me. And that's an intense challenge. So let's, let's kind of understand its context. Luke chapter 11, beginning with verse 14. And here's what the Bible says. Let's walk through this passage together. It says, Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute, that had made a man mute. We've seen Jesus dealing with the demonic all the way along. We've talked about it on this journey. You and I are more than minds or bodies. We are also spirits. We live in a spiritual reality. Sometimes that spiritual reality is more significant than what we see and feel and think and and this man was certainly experiencing that. And Jesus delivered him. He rescued him. He cast out that demon. The man was able to talk again. Some of us wish that we could afflict certain other people with muteness, right? But this guy in this moment is experiencing an escape from it. Imagine what it would be like to be able to talk again, to say to your wife, your kids, I love you, when you haven't been able to for a long time, maybe a lifetime. This man is experiencing that. And when the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. Yeah, of course they were. They had given up on this guy. They had thought, you know what? His problem can't be overcome. It's too big. We've tried to help him. We lack what it takes. We don't have it. And, and now, look, he's free. And there should have been just a delirious celebration. And there was some. 
Some people saw this happen and all they could do was rejoice. All they could do was cry. All they could do was laugh. All they could do was clap each other on the back and celebrate. But not all of them. Not all of them. Some people saw that happen and were so detached from the significance of it that all they could do was criticize Jesus for doing it. Look what the scripture says in verse 15. But some of them said, by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. And others who saw this happen, who in this moment experienced this man's deliverance, others tested him. Matthew says they made a demand on him. They demanded that he give them a sign from heaven, that he prove more to them than they had already seen. You know, you've probably noticed this, but the world is full of critics. Have you noticed this? They're everywhere all the time. And in this moment, healthy, sane, normal people would have been nothing but amazed with joy at what had happened for this man. But many weren't. Many, because they were more critics and thrill-seekers than gatherers, saw this and said, huh, we don't like this Jesus guy. We don't like who he associates with. We don't like his ways, his patterns, his habits, his priorities. And so we're going to complain. We're going to criticize. Some were going to complain about how he frees people from demons. Now, church, talk about insanity. If you see a person delivered from a demon and you start criticizing how it was done, you are missing the point. Amen? You are, there is nothing bad about that happening, no matter how it happens. There's nothing bad about that happening. But these people couldn't see that. They said, you know, he's just using demonic power to afflict the demonic. And others, others tested him. Others made demands of him. Instead of rejoicing in the good that was happening, they wanted to be thrilled, amazed, excited. They wanted more signs and wonders. They were more interested in signs and wonders than what signs and wonders point to, and that's a bad place to be. But that's where they were. You know, friends, when you find yourself demanding that God prove something to you, it's because you've stopped paying attention to what he's already shown you. You know, the scripture says that faith isn't a leap in the dark. It's not a mystical power that some have and others don't. Faith is when you get honest enough to admit to yourself what creation makes self-evident, that God is there. He's always been there, and you've always known it. The only question is whether you're willing to admit it to yourself or not. These folks weren't ready to do that. They wanted more, they wanted more, they wanted more. It's a sign that your heart's out of tune when you demand that God prove something to you when he's already shown you and me so much. There will always be people who say, if you don't thrill me, I'm out. And Jesus says, those are wicked people. Look at verse 29. He says, this is a wicked generation. It asks for a miraculous sign and none will be given it. We'll come back to that in a moment. But for now, just hear his heart. And let, let me ask you to ask yourself, as I ask myself, are you more of a critic or a thrill seeker or a gatherer? Jesus says those who don't gather with me scatter. They may have good intentions. They may think they want what's right and good. But in fact, they're working against me because they're not gathering with me. It's a powerful thing to consider. And, and the Lord goes on to point out the wrongheadedness of the critic crowd. Look at verse 17. Jesus knew their thoughts. He knew what they were thinking. And he said to them, 
Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. Maybe you didn't know that Abraham Lincoln was quoting Jesus when he said that, but he was. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? He said, I say this because you claim I drive out demons by Beelzebub, a name for the devil, another name for the devil. Jesus says, if I drive out demons by the devil, by whom do your followers drive them out? In other words, you've got people doing the same thing. God will work through anyone. And Gosh, if that's happening through your people, why would you say that through me it's the devil? So then, he says, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. In other words, if you criticize it when people are helped, you're nothing but a critic. That's all you are. And you've completely lost touch with the significance of people and their condition. See, here's the reality. There may be people in your life that you say to yourself, boy, I can't help them. They've gone too far. We've tried everything. They're too far gone. Those very people, when they meet Jesus, experience transformations beyond what we thought was possible. This man's experiencing that. You know, I, I laugh to this day because when I graduated from high school, my graduating class voted me most likely to die in a drug shootout in South America. <laughs> That's what I was <laughs> voted. You know, when I went back to my 20th reunion, I said, I'm a pastor, so there. You know what I mean? <laughs> And many people said, you? How could that happen to you? But here's what we got to understand. The people in your life that you think are beyond help are not beyond Jesus. And when they meet him, the transformation that can occur is off the charts. And that that matters more than anything and everything else. You know, there's kind of a subtext to this moment. If you go read Mark's gospel and Matthew's gospel about this moment, Jesus takes it a little deeper. And he says this, he says, if you say that I'm casting out demons by the power of the devil, you have called what's good evil and what's evil good. And he said, that's the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. He said, every sin will be forgiven, man, except that one. Wow. Now, please understand that this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, it's not somebody, something you do on Tuesday afternoon at 314 when you say the wrong words. It's not the idea. The idea is a lifetime a lifestyle of calling good evil and evil good. Jesus says if you go there, you, you, you've subtracted the possibility of repentance. You, you can't even tell which way is up. He said that's truly being lost. And he says what I want you to do instead is gather with me, is understand that my invitation to you is gather. Let me, let me ask you, are you praying for anybody who doesn't know the Lord? Maybe somebody at work? Maybe somebody in your family or in your neighborhood. Is there anybody you're praying for? Is there anybody that you're kind of trying to connect with, make friends with, so you can share this glorious gospel? Jesus says, Greg, if, 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 you, if there's none of that in your life, you're not in a middle ground. You're not kind of in neutral. He says, you're actually working against me. You're actually in my way. That challenges me deeply. You know, we have some neighbors that drive me nuts. Somebody say that. Got any neighbors like that, right? They drive me nuts. And, and um, there's this part of me that's like, ah. And sometimes if I can just confess my stupidity and smallness, sometimes I actually glance out the window before I go outside to see if they're on the porch. Because if they are, I don't want to go outside. <laughs> right? And God's been talking to me about this. He said, Greg, that's not, that's not how I want you. That's not how I want you. So I'm, I'm, I'm learning. I'm, my wife is so good at this. 
She's amazing at this. She has a tremendous relationship. I'm still trying to. But I'm trying to because Jesus says, Greg, if you're not gathering with me, then you're in my way. Then you're working against me. He says, I want you to understand that. I want you to grasp that. This is what matters most is people meeting me, experiencing me, being transformed by me. And, and, and then as soon as the Lord says that, he, he adds something else. He, he adds another lesson to the story. Look at verses 24 to 26. Referring to the man who had been delivered, this guy who had been rescued, had the demon cast out, he said this. He says, when an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and doesn't find it. And then it says, I'll return to the home I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of the man is worse than at first. Wow. In other words, he says to this man, hey, listen. I want to move into your life. I don't just want to do something for you in this moment because you need more than just to have this demon cast out of you. You need to learn to know God as your father. You need to learn to know me as your teacher. You need to learn the truth of God's word. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to grow you in a million little ways. You need to be parented, not just met in a moment of crisis and move on. He says, understand that that sin, if it isn't replaced, returns. And it returns worse. It returns worse. Again, what's Jesus saying? He's saying there's no middle ground with me. What I want to do, Greg, is I want to move into your life and live with you every day from the inside out and teach you about everything, about yourself, about your neighbor, about God, about your friends, about your enemies. There's not a middle ground where you check in with me occasionally when you need something, kind of like home improvement, right? We need a little something, we'll stop by, pick it up, fix the house, we're good to go. Jesus says, no, I don't want to be home improvement. I want to move into your heart. I want to move into your life. And I remember the first time Ron and I actually came to Enumclaw many years ago, about 30 years ago, we were actually leading a bunch of college students on a whitewater rafting trip on the Green River. And we came through there when that river was just roaring that year, and, and we experienced something that we didn't experience in the many other times we rafted, which was that our boat wrapped up on a rock and tore in half, dumped us all into the river. And so we're in this white water clinging to rocks, the water shoulder level, and, you know, dangerous place. And the tour group, they had their act together. They said, okay, we need to do this in-river rescue. And so they strung lines across from shore to shore and up shore and then they up uh, river. And then they lowered down a life preserver on a rope to us in the middle of the river, clinging to rocks. And then they said this, okay, you're going to have to let go of the rock. I did not want to let go of the rock at that moment, all right? That rock for the last 45 minutes had been my anchor, my security. But... There was no way I was getting out of that river unless I let go of that rock. I had to grab that preserver and let them reel us in. So there came for every one of us this moment when you let go of what you think you need and grab onto the only thing that can rescue. And Jesus says that it's the same for all of us and him. He says, you got to grab onto me. You can't sort of live in between. You can't sort of stay here in the river forever. You'll die. I want to replace sin in your life with virtue. I want to replace it with goodness. I want to replace it with the mission of God. He says, I want to move you from somebody who's a scatterer to a gatherer. And that happens when we recognize that there's no middle ground. There just isn't. 
And so the Lord lays this on us and invites us to embrace the life preserver of his dwelling in us. You know, lots of us have experiences with God, but he never really moves into our lives. He never really becomes our in-home teacher. And Jesus says that's actually the most dangerous place to be because the house can get swept clean and put in order, but if it isn't replaced with my living presence in your life, then at the end of the day, it's worse than if you never cleaned the house in the first place. And the Lord challenges us to recognize that there is no middle ground. Let me just ask you, are you hanging around Jesus or have you asked him to move in? Have you invited him to move into the center of your life? You know, one of the things that you'll see happen over time, if you haven't already, is exactly what Jesus told us would happen back in Luke chapter 8 when he said, those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. I, my mind goes back whenever I read that to when Ron and I were new believers. We were part of a young marriage group at our church. It was about 20 couples, and you know, we did a lot of fun stuff together. We watched football games. We went to the coast. We had picnics. We uh, barbecued, you know. We played board game nights. We had a, a great fellowship time together, and it felt like these couples were going to kind of share life together forever. But as the decades have gone by, do you know what Ron and I have experienced instead? More than half of those couples have gone on to abandon their marriages, have gone on to tough stretches in life, tragic in many cases, one even to suicide. Why? Because they were good with hanging around Jesus but not good with having him move in and take over. You know, one of the things Ron and I were taught early on as believers was to prefer God to each other, was to love God first, even before our husband and wife. We, we learned to say early on from Keith and Melody Green, we'd say to each other, hey, you're my number two. I love you second best. <laughs> you're, my, you're my two, you know. And, and some people would look at us cockeyed, well, you can't say, but no, wait a minute. That's exactly what the Lord teaches us. And here's the beautiful thing as we've learned that, it's made our marriage what we could never have made it on our own. And that's why Jesus says to you and me, to all of us, hey, don't try to live in the middle ground. Don't try to ride the fence. Instead, go all in with me. Embrace this call to be a gatherer. Begin to pray for those who don't know me. Begin to seek to make friends with people who don't know me, to give away my grace, my gospel. Jesus says, well, if you don't gather with me, you will inevitably become a scatterer. You know, when I moved in with Rhonda, I found out I was in for more than I thought. There was no escape. <laughs> but in that, there was something more beautiful than I could have ever imagined ahead of time. And that's the relationship that we have now. That's why Jesus says, he who is not with me is against me. He who doesn't gather with me scatters. That's why he says to us this morning, don't try to live in the middle ground. You know, don't you wish, here's a fantasy, don't you wish you could clean your house once and it would stay clean? Somebody say amen, right? Who's in for that? But you know that's not how it works. So you vacuum every week and you do the laundry every week and take out the garbage every week. And you're better off because you do it. Amen? Wives are looking at their husbands right now and saying, yeah, do this. 
Yeah, it's the same thing with our relationship with God. Or think of it this way. You know, how much room is there for other relationships in your marriage? You good with your husband having another wife somewhere? Probably not. You want him all in with you. Same thing. Jesus says, I want you all in with me. And that happens when you move beyond being a critic or a thrill seeker and you become a gatherer instead. You know, when I first started really playing basketball a lot, soccer, the same thing, I had to learn that there's no middle ground. You're either moving where you're supposed to be moving or you're in everybody's way. <laughs> you're gumming up the whole works. Same thing with a band and music. Either everybody is playing the same music or you're in the way. There's no middle ground. And so Jesus says to you and me, there's no middle ground. The Lord puts it this way in 1 John 4, and we're almost done. He says, if anyone says, I love God but hates his brother, well, he's a liar. Anyone who doesn't love his brother whom he has seen can't love God whom he's not seen. Folks who hang around Jesus without ever letting him move in inevitably become critics and thrill seekers. Folks who let him move in turn into gatherers, turn into helpers, turn into sharers of his love and his grace. So here's what the Lord asks of you and me today. He says, will you let me move in? Will you let me turn you into a gatherer? And it doesn't mean that you have to go door to door in every apartment complex in your city. It doesn't mean you put on a sandwich board and hike up and down Main Street. It doesn't mean just putting bumper stickers and flags on your car. What it does mean is that you begin to pray for and seek out and build relationships with people who don't know Jesus yet so that the Holy Spirit can use your life to introduce him to them. Uh, Let's hear it again. We, we love our Lord. We love our Savior. We want to serve Him. And He says, Greg, you either gather with me or you scatter. Let me ask you, who, who are you praying for? Who are you seeking? Who is God calling you to pray for and seek? Let me finish with a story. Don Thurman, in his book, Off Balance, Off Purpose, writes about how tightrope walkers learn their craft Evidently, he's a tightrope instructor. I didn't know there was such a thing, but he is. And he says, whenever my new students step on that rope or cable for the first time, he said, they all make the same mistake. He says, their heads are down. They focus on the rope or the cable, or they look at their feet and try to make sure they're putting their feet in the right place. He said, but what I teach them is that will never work you do that, you will always be afraid, you will always be off balance, you will fall off. He says, so what I teach them instead, he says, it's the hardest lesson, but once they learn it, it's the key to the whole process. He says, what I teach them is to look ahead instead at the goal, to focus on the other side of that gap, to focus on the other end of the cable. And he says, if they fix their eyes there, they discover the ability to tightrope walk. They discover the ability to do what they were trying to do by looking down same way, Jesus says, when you let me call you to gathering, you start to discover all the other things you want to learn. I start to work powerfully in you, and all the other lessons come in the wake of it. So let me ask us again as we get ready to finish, who are you praying for? Who are you hoping to gather? Somebody in your family? Somebody in your neighborhood? Somebody at work, school? Who is it? Let God open your eyes to them. Gather with them.
you know, discover what you're looking for in all those other ways. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your invitation. Jesus, we want to gather with you. Sometimes we let ourselves be tempted into becoming critics and thrill seekers instead. That's not what you want for us. So help us to hear your invitation this morning. Think of your word where you say, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I'll come in and eat with him. You're knocking this morning. God, make us gatherers, we pray. Maybe as we sit here this morning, you're someone who's never been gathered. You've never asked Jesus to be your Savior. You've never asked God to live in your life. You can right now in this moment do that. God is listening to your heart. And if you say to him in this moment, yeah, be my Savior, Jesus. Be my Father, God. In that moment, he will move in. He will live in you. He will begin to teach you. And you will be glad for it. So, Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. And as we go from here today out into the sunshine, let us go as gatherers, God. Let us go all in, off the fence, gatherers. We pray for that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, church? And as you're doing that, huge thanks for your patience with the parking and all that. Be patient with each other, okay? All right? On the way out. There's only one exit going out this morning, and that's kind of on the north end of the property out that way. But next week, it'll be back to normal. So now may the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with you throughout this week. Go with God. Tell someone you love them. Have a great afternoon.